rom-coms and Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler and rom-coms. It's kind of strange when you think about it that pretty much every Adam Sandler movie that's out there, there's at least a romantic subplot. And that includes Billy Madison, where he's literally acting like, I mean, he's, he is a manned child. And this gorgeous, smart, intelligent woman falls head over heels in love with him. Today's movie works a little bit harder in convincing us that this is a love story for the ages. And okay, maybe it's not for the ages. Maybe it's not even for that year. But there's some talented people here. We've got Jennifer Aniston. We've got Brooklyn Decker. We've got, spoiler alert, Nicole Kidman. And double spoiler alert, Dave Matthews. So who knows? Maybe there's something to this film. We definitely get into it. It's 2011's Just Go With Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My name is Kelly McCrillis, also known as Your Face. Always with me is my co-host... <laughs> Devlin. Devlin Graves. Wait, your name... Why don't you take a big Devlin? Ryan... Um, remember when we started this podcast years and years and years ago? Yes. Hey, fun fact for the listeners. Hey, this is Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Com, where we have, since 2019, recorded uh, episodes about rom-coms and romances and books and mine and Ryan's love lives. Uh, not together, of course. Well, sometimes, but it doesn't matter. But Our um, bromance. Our bromance. And... The um, But we started in 2019, and we recorded about seven episodes over the course of the year, but didn't release any of them until 2020, because that was the year where we didn't have any work, right? Yeah, we needed something to do. <laughs> that has changed. And I remember the, the week that we decided to start recording these, I was working Wonderland Murders, which was this hellish show, like reality show that I used to work on where I had no time and I would always come on the episode and you'd be like, are you okay to record? <laughs> and I'd be and like, like, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm almost at that point right now. I'm very close to that point where you need to ask me if I'm okay to record. <laughs> because are you okay to record? Do I sound okay to record? <laughs> I mean, I think you sound great. I, I wonder That's if just we the want to audio quality a, of my equipment. I think we should make this a vlog so the viewers can see the whiskey that you're dra- draining into your gullet right now to get through the week. I'm adjusting myself in my seat, not because I'm necessarily on um, any sort of weird s- drugs right now, but I just I feel like if I keep moving, I'm going to stay awake. <laughs> um Hey, buddy. Uh, what what movie are we watching this week? We're going with Just Go With It with The Police Says the Soundtrack for Some Reason. It's because they went to a Sting concert. It's it's Adam Sandler's Just Go With It. I think it needs to be of the possessive noun I think we need to call this Nicole Kidman's Just Go With It. (laughs) Just Go With It with Nicole Kidman starring Dave Matthews and none of his band came. Why can't he bring his band with him? Okay, so let's preface this for the the viewers. Um, When you think of Adam Sandler and you think of rom-coms, I mean, initially you think of Fifty First Dates, right? That's I like, think of Wedding Singer. Then okay, Wedding Singer States, is then another just good go one. With it. Yeah, uh, yeah. This the the Adam Sandler oeuvre it c- consists of two types of films. 
good films and films where Adam Sandler goes on vacation. Yes. With his friends. Well, there are three categories of Adam Sandler movies. There's the good Adam Sandler movies, Let's which is those like Happy like Gilmore. Big Daddy, like the vintage 90s Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, Waterboy. Those are just good Adam Sandler movies that have Adam Sandler as the focal point. Sure. Then there are good movies that have Adam Sandler, like- um, Punch Drunk Love. Spanglish and Uncut Gems. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, your mm-hmm. hard-hitting dramas. Uh, by the way, I, if I can find it, I want to play the clip of Adam Sandler receiving a, an Independent Spirit Award at <laughs> last year for Uncut Gems. And his acceptance speech basically was like, I would like to thank my fellow nominees who just lost to fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> I stand before you trembling with thankful glee as I receive the so-called best actor trophy, independently speaking, of course. <laughs> First off, it is a gr- it's great to see our host Aubrey Plaza again. Aubrey and I did a movie entitled Funny People 11 years ago. That was actually the last time critics pretended not to hate me for five fucking minutes. <laughs> Catch you in another 11 years, Aubrey. Okay. I'd like to also give a shout out to my fellow nominees who will now and forever be known as the guys who lost to fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> uh, so there's some self-awareness there. Yeah, and then there's the bad Adam Sandler movies, which are just him seeing where his buddies are up to and taking them on vacation and bringing a camera and paying everyone a lot of money to be on on set. Usually there's Kevin and James involved. Maybe uh, James Spader. Lots of Jameses. Um, <laughs> Lots of James down maybe, there. Was, was Bernie Mac ever in there? No, no Bernie Macs. He was off making those Ocean Eleven movies. Uh, uh, usually- Kevin, Kevin Keelan. Kevin Nealon. Nealon is his name. Yeah, he's always in there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Schneider always makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he always shows up. Uh, sometimes Chris Rock, which always oh, you know, that's makes, right, makes things a little better. He's in the dads go to the woods with their families movies. Yeah, grown yeah. ups. Grown ups. I'll, I'll tell my grown ups movie uh, story later. What was your favorite thing to do when you were twelve? Ooh. Well, I can't do that. Uh, well, without a further ado, let's jump into this Adam Sandler Devlin, and let me tell you a story. Thank you. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. <laughs> So just go with it. Okay. First, we need to, again, like last week, this is kind of a conceptual thing. Because when you walk into an Adam Sandler movie, there's there's some conventions that go with every Adam Sandler movie where it's, well, really, it's easier to just call them Happy Madison Productions. Because that's when right. he's really got his like hand in the pot and like saying, you know, here's what we're doing. So really, it's a Happy Madison convention and, that we're talking about. And can we just about. comment on how insular your your style is when your production company is named after a combination of your two movies that made you famous. I don't dislike yeah, I'm it, trying but to think. it really, it really does hold a candle to Adam Sandler's style or Adam Sandler's style. Uh, please, Billy, please no gibberish tonight, please. I beg you. 
Sorry, Daddy. So we meet Adam Sandler's uh, character who is like 20, and he's about to get married. And I think it's set in like well, well, the eastern shores. Of we, were talk, we were going to talk. We were going to talk about uh, Adam Sandler's style, like what what makes it them an Adam Sandler movie. And then I derailed us. Um, well, the first thing is, <sighs> I mean, let's talk. Well, cast cast is the first thing. I want to I want to shout out his his usual wrecking crew doesn't have that big of a uh, parts in here. He usually has. These three guys that are part of his like chorus in all of his movies. It's Alan Covert and oh, then yeah. Peter Dante and Jonathan Lufren, Lauren, Lauren, L O U G H R A N. Some kind of awesome Irish last name. How do you say that, Kelly? Lofren? I don't know. Nobody knows how to pronounce Irish. Um, it, the art was lost, I think, 100, 150 years ago. <laughs> and these guys keep showing up in all of Adam Sandler movies because I'm pretty sure they're just buddies and he's just like, yeah, we'll throw him into this part, him into that part, and him into that part. And they don't really do anything else. Like Alan Covert was the star of Grandma's Boy, which was actually a fun movie to have around in college. But other than that, they haven't really been in anything else. They don't do anything. They just star in Adam Sandler movies. And this one, Alan Covert plays Soul Patch at the very end of the movie. And then Peter and Jonathan are the guys that are hitting on that girl in the bar when we see Adam Sandler first. Oh God, his, that's right. His shtick. Okay. Yeah. There's that. Um, the other Adam Sandler stuff is he is underneath his, his rage. Like his characters are always kind of like, um, abrasive yet heart of gold. Well, this guy can stay in my room. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of man children he usually yeah. plays that they they have short fuses but they're sweet about it too. So, you know, it's cool. Like there's one point in time in this movie where Jennifer Aniston calls him like a a big boy and um there's there's been no or like a, a grown a, like a large child or something like that and there's been nothing that describes Adam Sandler in any of his movies better than that. Right. So uh, this this particular one, and, and his plots are usually very, very, very simple. Um, this one probably is his most complicated plot because like the plot of his other film, Grown Ups, which I think is his biggest tragedy of a film, is just a bunch of grown-ups going on vacation together. I mean, I would say with Grown Ups, it's probably the pinnacle of Adam Sandler's laziness that they didn't really try to do anything on that movie. There was really no script. There was, you know, all the bits were, there were just circumstances basically. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, well, what do you, what do we want to do today? And it really does feel like a vacation, you know, home movie. Just go with it. There's a little bit more work behind it. So There's the story a little is, bit. we have Adam Sandler plays Danny. He's a, uh, later on we meet him. He's a plastic surgeon, but when we first meet him, he's eavesdropping on his bride to be, and she's getting her veil ready he finds out through eavesdropping that she's been cheating on him and he gets his heart broken. And so he doesn't, presumably he doesn't go through with the wedding or maybe he does and they get divorced immediately after that. I don't think so because he's, when he's at the bar later, um, like he, we basically cut to, uh, him at the bar and he's still wearing his wedding clothes. 
He's wearing his wedding clothes and he has his wedding ring, so that makes me think he got that far, <laughs> at least. Or yeah, or yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, he must have at least had to approach her at some point in time to get the ring back. Yeah, because if I if I was left, but let's let's make if, it completely clear to our audiences: this movie's not smart enough to have thought about that. <laughs> right. Um, so he figures out this tactic to picking up women that he garners sympathy from them when he tells them that his marriage is on the rocks for X number of reasons, and then the girl wants to go home with him. And he's actually never with another woman. He's never actually married. He just always has this ruse. It's a very, like, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother yeah. tactic. Can we, t- can we talk about the psychology behind that? Yeah, yes. yes yeah, I I think there's, there's something um, smart about writing a character who does this, because I think the... The idea that like, especially if you're, if you're a single person and there's someone who, but you're like longing to be in a relationship, but you don't necessarily know if you want to put the work in, but there's somebody who you can help by giving them like a way out of their bad situation that they're in, even if it's only for one night. I think there's like some emotional truth in that. Even if people don't act on that impulse, there's like this desire in sexual psychosis to oh, want, sure. to want to like save someone from like the oh, evil yeah. the evil prince or princess who has them like locked in their tower. Yeah, he's totally preying on that psychological truth. He's yeah. he's totally exploiting that weakness in humanity. It's not like it's not like a weak woman thing. It's like any person is going to feel that kind of sympathy and want to do something about it. So right. and it's so kind this... of ingenious, but it's kind of evil. Yeah, it's kind of evil, kind of like what's 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 up with the noses? Like Adam Sandler makes his entire family have um what do what do they call them in Ocean's 13 where you get the fake nose put on? <laughs> I can't remember. It's not quite Roxanne sized noses, but he's just like really playing up like the fact that his family is Jewish and has huge noses and it's like Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Like, and, I mean, you, know, you go ahead, like it's, it's your culture, it, but it's, if you want to make that joke, you go ahead and make that joke, but it yeah. makes us feel kind of weird. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's got this big nose and after this, you know, tragedy of, you know, having his wedding ruined, he switches from cardiovascular to plastic surgery. He gets rid of the, the schnoz as he, because his he wife made it. fun of it. <laughs> yeah. And he has this way of connecting to women, which is totally superficial, and he will never get connected to them because, as he explains the upfront, is that he'll never get his heart broken because he'll never get emotionally invested. And this is like a foolproof way to like have connections with women that only last a night or two, maybe. Yeah, he's he's oddly self-aware for someone who makes um, extremely dangerous and stupid decisions. Yeah, and you know it's it's a good. Um, you know, character arc to start us off with of like, mm-hmm. okay, so you have this piggish thing that you do, but you have a sympathetic reason why you do it, but I'd like to see you grow out of this piggish thing, and I'm glad I'm watching this movie now. Yeah, and become a, a better human. We um, would like to see this person be, become a better person. So we basically catch up with him 20 years later at a party for plastic surgeons. And that's where you have Kevin Nealon, who's had like 50 plastic surgeries and can't move or feel his face. And it's just, it's like almost parody kind of, I would say where uh, like all the humor is just enough to the extreme that it's, um, 
it's just beyond the pale of reality. Yeah, I, I'd call it satire of yeah. the L.A. beauty scene. I think mm-hmm. it, it's a very good skewering of how people in le- – I like a lot of places in the country, but especially Los Angeles, people yes. are desperate to look young and hot and super tanned. And it's – it's. <laughs> I like how Adam Sandler is just kind of this like voice of reason of like, you got to slow down, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like – like uh, gotta, he, he almost seems like the he's the most ethical um, of anybody in the bunch, right? Because when you see his people, they're like more subtly done. Like maybe he's given somebody more of a butt, but he won't he won't touch somebody who's doing unhealthy plastic surgery, right? And so we kind of get this Adam Sandler persona where he's very laid back and chill and cool, and <laughs> it's kind of like he's got this like he doesn't go off in a rage. He keeps that tamped down. Like yeah. in the nineties, that was his thing is the happy Gilmore like freak out. Son of a bitch, Paul. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Or the big daddy like freak out. Those were like the big funny scenes. But this like post 2010s, especially, he's really tamped that down and just lets that come out only th- in specific times. Do you think it's because he has kids and he's like, you know what? I I don't want to see I don't want my kids to see me yelling at children as much like I used to. I think I think life <laughs> has just kind of blunted Adam Sandler's edge. And I think Adam Sandler would be like, yeah, man, I just kind of chilled out. I think no yeah, matter it really I feels know what like it that. is, it, yeah. he's just kind of chilled out. But in the chilling out, he's also just kind of gotten lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, that's, I, that's kind I, of an easy target of a criticism to make. You know, but, of course, everyone's going to say that. But um, in this first scene when he's he's doing like, I think the writing is kind of fun in this first scene that we're talking about with all the plastic surgeons. But the the way the comedy is shot is a way the way a lot of lazy American comedies are filmed, where it's just two people standing back in like where we just cut back and forth between these two comedians and they're standing there and they're delivering lines. But there's no situation. It's just people standing around having a conversation and being comedians standing around having a conversation. And there's, yeah. there's nothing of, of story or plot or even cinematic interest going on. It's just lazy. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And you know, I, I'll, I'm going to tip my hand at the front of this so I can like editorialize my storytelling now. And I'm going to say, this movie won me over a little bit. It's not something that I'm like, I love this movie, but it's just like, you know what? I had a good time. I didn't have a good time at a movie. I had a good time hanging out with these personas for two hours. And God, this is a Adam Sandler movie that's two hours long. And so it actually held my attention for two hours. So that's another like, uh, I don't know, ace in the bank <laughs> I, <laughs> that did it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think this movie did, I, I, I feel like I watched a couple different movies here. Um, my viewing was broken up over the course of like three hours because I had to dive into work a couple of times and I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy that I did because I think mm-hmm. I needed those breaks a little bit, but I, I have a question for you, Ryan, uh-huh. Be- because, um, it's at this point in time in the story where Adam Sandler is fixing a kid's leg wound that he got in the bathroom and the, 
the kid's like, oh yeah, I saw this hot woman and I got distracted. And Adam Sandler like slaps a kid in this, which <laughs> like, made me chuckle. <laughs> it it made me chuckle too. Don't slap kids, but I don't know why it was kind of funny, but he's just like, I think the writing in this is just boring and horrendous, but he like walks out and he sees this woman and he, and he like knows her, right? H- how long has he known her for? The Brooklyn Decker character? Yeah. I don't, they had this kind of weird introduction to each other because they started talking like they've kind of met, but they haven't met. Are they? And then some guys like, hey, I knew you two would like, like each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like, and then Adam Sandler meets the, you know, the supermodel that we cast in this film. There's a lot of, there's a lot of convention in these types of Adam Sandler movies that I think a lot of his actual like target audience is totally okay with that. They're going to see this movie and like in like a Transformers movie, it's like, well, that's when the superhero, supermodel, superhero, that's when the supermodel comes on. And I guess she's a main character because I know that she's a supermodel. So she must be a main character. (laughs) And that's what this movie Uh does. It's like, well, everyone knows Brooklyn Decker from that swimsuit, swimsuit, Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Uh, magazine cover. So here you go, everybody. I think she was also on the Hills. I want to say I I was watching this with my roommate on and off over in Atlanta. And I think she knew who she was. Uh, I don't see any, any Hills, uh, any valleys, any, I saw some Hills and valleys in this movie actually. (laughs) Um, but the, um, like I was so confused because they like go on this walk and then they, they, they hit it a, off. They hit it off. They spend a sexy night on the beach. Um, and then she, she finds a ring. It's the ring he uses from his wedding, uh, in his, the pocket of his pants. And she's like, what is this? And he doesn't have a good explanation. So she storms off now. The whole conceit of this movie is Adam Sandler apparently really likes this girl. And, um, they they basically met at a party, went outside, had a conversation for a couple minutes on the beach, then had sex, slept on the beach, and now Adam Sandler is basically like, I'm in love with this one. This one's important to me. And later mm-hmm. on, there's there's a lot of like phrases like where she's like, You know how much I love kids, I told you. And it's like, I guess, but you guys have also known each other for like maybe a day. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> this this category of Adam Sandler film is just you you don't bring in a palette that is someone who enjoys cinema. Like you got to throw that, you got to leave that at the door. Mm, no, You're, okay, I don't I don't think so. I think um, like if I'm watching Happy Gilmore or uh, Billy Madison, there's a particular way that that movie asks m- me to watch it, right? Where it's goofy, yeah. it's crazy. There, there are also supermodels and very hot actors that Adam Sandler is playing against. But there is a a tone that I can understand and get into. This movie, almost like at, the, at least for the first half of it, gave me complete whiplash because I didn't know if it was a rom com or if it was a really dumb comedy that didn't want me to take it seriously. Yeah. But then it was like I'm trying yeah. to speak about love too in a poignant way, and I'm like, this is all too much. You need to stay in your lane, and I just don't know what lane well, that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
90s Adam Sandler is anarchy comedy, and all of those characters and situations are just absurd, ridiculous scenarios. You have a man child who goes back to school. You have a like a man child who's like this hokey. I don't know what you call him, but he's like this comic version of Forrest Gump who is joining the football team at his local college. You have a, a hockey player who turns into a golf player. All the things that happen in those movies, like all the love interests, why do they fall in love with this dope? <laughs> like there's uh-huh. there's so the logic is like you just got to really go with the movie's logic. Be like, yes, these beautiful, smart women, like especially in Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, are really into this guy. It's like, OK, I guess so. <laughs> Just go um, and, with and it. In Billy Ma- not- in, in Waterboy, uh, it's she's a goth, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just go with it is trying you're right is trying to thread both lines where it's, it's like i was watching the, that. like ace ventura meets the majestic if we're yeah. talking jim carrey movies where where they're like all right we're going to combine some elements of who adam sandler is with these other elements rather than just take a new lane they're like we're going to smush different adam sandlers together yeah and and it and it's kind of like you have this is this is how i i describe this movie is especially going into this movie. I was not excited to watch it because the last Adam Sandler movie I'd watched was um, Grown Ups, uh, which is mm. a dumb title. <laughs> uh, I saw that in theaters and was like, okay, I'm done with Adam Sandler, I guess. <laughs> like, he's no longer <laughs> funny and this is no longer good. Maybe I've grown up. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> you, you, that was, that, wait, wait. You really didn't did know you did that? that? Wow. I didn't know I did that. Yeah. Uh, so going into this movie, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to hang out with these guys. It's kind of like your friend from high school, not college, high school, gives you a call and they say, hey, I'm in town for one night. Me and all my buddies are going out drinking. You're coming with us. And it's like, I don't want to go out with you. Like, I've totally outgrown you, man. You you never you never moved out. You, you live with your parents. Like, all these things just like... I kind of have grown past everything you're about, but you reluctantly go out and you're going to this bar that you haven't been to in like 15 years, just like these dive bars where if you say I'd like a vodka martini, the bartender will look like you just asked for some kind of like <laughs> um, it's filet mignon. Like they just don't know what you're talking about. Well, Ryan, hold on a second. Are you saying that you would even ever go into a dive bar and order a vodka martini? Because I'm, I'm all for purchasing alcohol when I go out uh, to match the location, generally speaking. No, I know. I'm just saying I wish I could ask for a vodka martini, but I'm at this dive bar, so I really should just be drinking a whiskey soda and just drink my damn drink. So yeah, okay, good, I, I, I good man, it. good man. And so it's like you're out with those guys and you're sitting there. You're like, I've really outgrown these guys. And they start joking around and you're listening in on their jokes. And then you start to crack a smile and then you chuckle a little bit at it. And it's like, okay, I'm not like this anymore, but you guys are still kind of funny. And then you find out like the guy who called you is actually like really wanting to ask this girl out. And he's telling you about this story. And then the girl comes into the bar and you see them interact. And you're like, oh, I, I totally see it. And you realize that there's more dimension to your buddy uh, that you ever gave him credit for. But for the most part, he's still cracking those jokes and being a Weisenheimer. 
So that's hey, kind of what. Hold on, a whole bunch of construction workers have just come in. Yeah, Ryan needs help with this metaphor in particular because I think if he's going to continue it, any yeah, it's going to need a lot more labor. Yeah, Ryan, they're on they're on the clock actually, so you might want to use them right now. Thanks, thanks. I am actually just finishing up. What I'm saying is, this movie has a lot of old fashioned crassness from the old Adam Sandler days. But he has grown up, and there are things that he's interested in. He just doesn't have the maturity of other people his age do. He still has that '90s Adam Sandler maturity. But I, I like, I like, I like the persona. I like what's going on here. Okay, well, I don't I know, think I'm that's true. No, I just don't think what you said is true. I think okay. I don't want to. I mean, I think part of it's true. I think you're right. Like he has matured a little bit. And I actually think he does have the emotional maturity to pull off something. I think we've seen it. I think he makes certain movies not really caring whether they do well. I think he just, I think there's some times in his life where he really cares about a project. And then there's other times where he's like, yeah, we can make this because I enjoy making movies sometimes and hanging out with friends. And I just think that's what this is. Let's go through the rest of the story so I can back up my claim, because I do think I've got a critical theory that I think this movie can be enjoyed uh, more than his other really shitty films. I think this is right in between. It's right in between his 90s films and something. Yeah, yeah. There's something to it. So I Um, I do want to give it that credit. But let's let's also talk about other characters in this movie, because I I do think that Jennifer Aniston, while they could have given her more time to get... The, some of these scenes, I I really think that I this this movie made me kind of fall back in love with Jennifer Aniston in a weird way because mm-hmm. she carries yeah. some scenes. Oh yeah, like she's doing so, all the work that the camera is not doing. So the story proceeds with he has this lie to Brooklyn Decker and is like, oh no no I am married but I'm getting divorced. Yeah, I'm getting Stupid. divorced. <laughs> Okay, and so he convinces his uh, his assistant at the surgical his plastic surgery practice to play his fake soon to be ex wife, and they're like it's Jennifer Aniston, and they're they're pretty close the way that you know your best coworker like work wife work husband Mm -hmm. you know they get along really well because of that that element. Yeah, and so he convinces her to, and she's like okay, but um, and but he. And then he says, but you need to like dress like a super hot wife. And so he takes her shopping and then she buys a bunch of clothes and there's like kind of a weird anti um, pretty woman (laughs) scene where it's like him buying her a bunch of clothes and carrying bags. Um, And then they meet and um, she... Uh, Brooklyn Decker's character um, meets Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Aniston is playing the, the ex-wife and Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston are horrible to each other, which I I don't even get why like this is where the scene went, but she's, I guess she's trying to play a really mean ex-wife and she doesn't like what she's having to do for him. And so she makes it awkward. And anyway, um, it all ends with, Jennifer Aniston accidentally spilling the beans that she has kids, which then means that Brooklyn Decker thinks that Adam Sandler has kids. And then they all decide to go to Hawaii together. Eventually they go to Hawaii because Jennifer Aniston tipped her hand that she has kids. And so the lie grows into, Oh, we have, I have kids in this marriage too. And so 
<laughs> it's just kind of like you don't understand what kind of hole you've dug yourself into now that and you have to ki- carry on having these fake kids. And the kids are in on the lie. Um, I liked the kids in this movie. They're really I, talented. They're, they're really, really talented, talented actors. And I, again, I kind of wish a different director was helming this project because I think, again, it was just like, if you're giving kids the responsibility of carrying a scene that is not interesting, it's really hard. And I think they did a fantastic job. But anyway, I, think, I feel like I'm know, just going to kick. The the girl kind of steals every scene that she's in. I think she's the best yeah. actor. <laughs> no, She's I really, acting circles around Adam Sandler. <laughs> she very much so. Um, and actually, she so she has this shtick where she wants to be an actress, um, but she wants to use like develop her British accent, and so they, and it's really funny. She's really good at it, and the the two kids blackmail Adam Sandler into um, like getting them voice lesson or acting lessons and uh, a PlayStation and all this stuff that like American kids want. <laughs> And the boy is like, I want to go to Hawaii and swim with the dolphins. It's like his big thing that he's been asking for. And he finally gets Adam Sandler into the ultimate position where he is forced to take everyone, including Brooklyn Decker and Jennifer Aniston, to Hawaii so that they can swim with the dolphins. And so Nick Swartzen crashes the party. And this is where, like, okay, we clearly had a scene deleted where Nick Swartzen's like, I'm here. And he's his, it's Adam Sandler's cousin he's playing. And it's just kind of like, at what point in this film were you told about this? <laughs> like, I know we never right? told this scenario to you. <laughs> he just heard what was going on, I guess. Um, I do have to say though, I didn't like his character when he wasn't pretending to be German or Dutch mm-hmm. or whatever, but I did like his character when he was pretending to be this sheep shirt, sheep herding. No, he was a sheep selling man because he sold right. sheep online. Um, I liked his character. It was oh, really stupid, but he made me giggle a couple times. Exactly. He's one of the buddies when you're at the dive bar and you're like, this, this fucking guy. But then after an hour or two and you've had a few drinks, like, yeah, yeah. After a like few drinks, guy. he definitely got funnier yeah. to me. I like this guy. So they all go to Hawaii and they have exploits in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the point of the the movie at that point is just to carry out the scenario until, until we meet... Nicole, Nicole Kidman, Kidman. And, and her husband, Dave Matthews. <laughs> like what crazy casting uh, when, when it happened, my, my roommate had abandoned the movie and gone into her bedroom and I paused the movie when Nicole Kidman showed up and I just was like, Nicole Kidman's here. Get back out here. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, Nicole Kidman plays uh, Jennifer Aniston's frenemy from college and she has Jennifer Aniston makes up her own lie that she's married. I got kind of lost in the lies that she's married to Adam Sandler and, and he's a plastic aren't surgeon getting a divorced. Yeah. And so and there's like these so, dueling lies happening. One where they're getting a divorce, one where they're happily married. And also Jennifer Aniston is playing a character with the same name in the first lie as the Nicole Kidman character has in real life. What's her name? Devlin. It's not Ver. Declan. I keep wanting to call her Verdell. <laughs> Verdell. After the dog. Yeah, after the dog. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and so there's all these subplots and there's like even a subplot about like them. They're trying to get the daughter to eat more because she doesn't want to eat. And so Adam Sandler is like getting her to eat more. And he's, 
He's not like, let's make it clear. Adam Sandler is not a very good guy in this movie. He's, I would even go as far to say a bad guy. However, he's not like completely black or white in that regard. He's just, he's just making extremely unethical decisions. And yet the whole movie, he's also becoming closer and closer with Jennifer Aniston's kids and their father has basically abandoned them as a relationship. And so this is where the movie kind of gets us back on board with Adam Sandler's character as yeah. a, a it's guy. It's a save the who, cat moment yeah, where we see him doing that stuff. A save the kids hearts. Yeah. And you know, the conceit, if you haven't been paying attention, like you could tell, you can tell from the poster how the movie's going to end. You can tell that the whole point is that Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston are going to fall in love with each other and realize that their friendship has actually been the perfect foundation for a romance. And can I say, they have damn good chemistry in this movie. I really like it. Like, as far as it's amazing. This has been one of the only movies where the, the main character, like that I don't love that the main characters have good chemistry in. Yeah. It's, it's really astounding. And out of all the Adam Sandler movies where he's going after Veronica Vaughn or what's her bucket and happy Gilmore, there's not really chemistry there because it's just like, there's no reason for these women, like I said, to fall in love with these man children. But with Adam Sandler's character in this movie, he's kind of a dick, but he's also fun. He's also down to earth and I think he's genuine. I think that's the biggest thing. He's very just like, hey, this um, is who I am. I'm going to crack jokes um, about stuff. To okay, her? yes, with her. With her. To her. With her. Not, I would, with I would say he's that's a very ingenuine well human being. <laughs> I know, but with her, I think that's what she's attracted to is that with her, he can be totally real with her. Right. It's like, it's like you know, he's, he's a, sure, he's kind of a bad guy, but, you know, I know him and he's vulnerable with me. And so you know, I'm, I'm sure that he'll be honest with me for the rest of his life. In, ter- kind of I, in terms of an ethical character, I think he's far tamer than a Barney Stinson. And when I watch How I Met Your Mother, I'm on board with even Barney Stinson's, even after all the thousands of exploits that he's done, I'm still okay with him. And so here too, I'm, it's just kind of like, eh, like I said, you're kind of a dick, but I like you. You're good with kids. You're good with Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I, I am completely on board with that, but like, Brooklyn Decker's character is many things. She's sweet. She is, I, I also like, she's an idiot. She kind of deserves everything that happens to her in this minute, in this movie. But at the same time, I also feel sorry for her Mm -hmm. where she's like this very sweet person who is, sees this horrible, horrible relationship and situation and just goes along with it. There's many times where she's insulted to her face or she sees two people being pretty gross to each other, like really, really gross to each other and decides, Oh, I'm just going to have, you know, be happy and smile and everything's going to be fine. And in a, like a normal Adam Sandler movie, that would be fine with me because we're not playing with reality, but by the time we get to the scene where Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston say that they love each other, basically, I'm like, oh, you want us to believe in true romance here. And you want us Mm -hmm. to believe that all these people are real and that they have real inner lives. But Brooklyn Decker's character isn't real. There's, there's no way that that character exists on the same plane as those other two characters. I, I kind of disagree because 
I like that she's not played as this total blonde ditz. I think she has, I think she's a sweethearted character. I don't think there's anything else to her, but I would totally buy that Adam Sandler's character at the beginning of the movie, who's this plastic surgeon, would fall head over heels in love with her because. Yeah, but why is she falling in love with him? Because it's an Adam Sandler movie. It's just a trope that you've you've okay, been, you've, then, you've accepted but, all. Why? Yes, Who would no. fall in love with Billy Madison? No, no, no. Okay. Yes, I agree with you. But then why is Jennifer Aniston falling in love with him? Because we see who he is with Jennifer Aniston, and there's a real character. You, but with you Jennifer can't say Aniston. because it's an Adam Sandler movie, and because we Jennifer Aniston sees his real self in the, the movie same is movie. Asking, the movie's asking just a few things. It's asking, can you believe that Adam Sandler and Brooklyn Deckler would have this kind of sweet romance? And no. Like, well, it's it's I I believe it. It's it's very vapid and it's very thin and it's very superficial. Sure. But I believe that there's an attraction between them. They didn't. They didn't make Brooklyn Decker this really dumb, ditzy blonde person. They no. just made her just kind of a simple, sweet girl. But they didn't give her anything else to be. And so, I, well, okay, when the but movie every comes time, to a close, it okay, doesn't but every matter time, what happens. Every time Brooklyn Decker like sees a hint of him being even close to being a bad guy, or like being married, or having maybe lied to her, she gets really upset and she's like ready to leave the relationship. But then when he like sees her like making fun of Jennifer Aniston or vice versa, making fun of each other in really bad ways. She's like, Oh, I'm fine. Just smiling through this and not caring about it. I don't know. I, that's not the same character to me. I, 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 again, I think, I think you're asking too much of this movie. (laughs) Like the, there's not a lot more like they're doing those bits are bits. That's there for shtick. It's not there for like, I know it's there for shtick, but, but I guess through, I guess it just makes the movie very inconsistent to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely agree. It's it's an inconsistent movie, but it got me feeling for the most essential elements, which is the inevitable rom- romance with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. I was into that because I liked their chemistry. And I think they actually were very conscientious about that aspect. Like I think from so the too. beginning of the movie, they were really working hard to give us this like they're good buddies kind of thing. Yeah. And the other thing I really yeah. liked is him as a father. And I liked sh- depicting that. And it makes sense to me that she would be really attracted to him when she sees him as this father figure, because this, this is like one of the only elements that I think they actually had some psychological realism is that she says some kind of line, like I don't have a lot of time or something like that. Of like, I don't, I don't want to waste any more of my life. Like, yeah, she says she doesn't, it's when they're talking on the phone, uh, like, cause they have this moment at dinner where they basically say, I love you because Nicole Kidman's character forces them to say truths to each other basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, they almost kiss. And then inst- instead of, <laughs> instead of them kissing they're uh, they're basically interrupted. And then, um, she finds out that apparently he's going to marry, uh, Brooklyn Decker the next day. And so he gives her a call the next night. And I really like the scene where he gives her a call. It's this very real moment where he's wanting her to say, yes, I want you to be with me so that he can not be a coward and stay mm-hmm. with Brooklyn Decker and make this leap to be with her. And she says, like, I, I'm hearing a lot of guessing going on in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I, I don't have time for guessing. And so she's going to leave to New York, which is another thing that we just found out in the movie. Right. Um, but I thought that was a really, really good line that depicted like where she is in her life and what she wants, what she wants as a character. And there's not a lot 
more to it, but it was enough for me to care, to care about oh, her I, and what she gets. I did too. And like I said, there's, there's moments I very much enjoyed in this movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going back to it anytime. No. Are you? Uh, no, but it, it's, it's, it's a movie that it's like, uh, I'm stuck in a hotel room and there's nothing on the television. I don't have access to Netflix or whatever for whatever reason. And the only thing I have access to is like TBS and they're showing just go with it. I'll leave it on. I'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll drink while I watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually have a question. Um, so at the end of the movie, basically what happens is Jennifer Aniston and Nicole Kidman have this heart to heart where they stop lying to each other. And again, a lot of this, um, psychologically just feels like Adam Sandler or whoever wrote this movie. Did he write it? No. Okay. Whoever wrote this movie being like, okay, so one thing I want to talk about is how a lot of, you know, people want to, you know, one up their old friends and they live this fake persona because they want to show how, you know, uh, successful they are in life. And Mm -hmm. they were like, and this moment we're going to have Nicole Kidman and Rachel from friends meet each other and just kind of confess that, you know, their lives aren't as perfect as they keep, you know, pretending that they were. And it's mainly because Jennifer Aniston is drunk, I guess it's because she's, I, I don't exactly know why she decides to confess or why. And, but she does. And then Nicole Kidman confesses. And then Adam Sandler was there listening to them both confess this whole time. Um, I don't know. It just, what, what happened after that? I almost like, I just finished it and I almost can't remember the ending. They decide to be together and Brooklyn Decker is taking the kids out for ice cream after he like walked away from the wedding. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I, I think I, I, um, I saw a really good story in this movie. Yeah. I think my brain had a really hard time turning itself off or turning itself back on in particular moments. But honestly, I didn't have a bad time. I thought the movie was bad, but I didn't have a bad time. Right. You know, when we're looking at films like this, it's not, it's not the, 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 what's it called? The, the grade book, the, the thing that it wants to be measured against. It's, um, it doesn't want to be graded as like, how does it do as a cinematic experience? It's really just like, hey, we're going out for burgers and ice cream. <laughs> like, we're just going to give you a good time and, you know, it, just enjoy the comedy. Enjoy, enjoy the heart. We don't have anything else to offer you. <laughs> yeah. We've got nothing I, else there. And um, the comedy, what did you, uh, like, uh, you know, one to ten, where would you rate the comedy? Seven. Okay. I think I give it a, I think I give it a five because every time they wanted me to laugh, I would uh, like every, every other time they wanted me to laugh, I would. Yeah. I thought it was consistently funny. Some things were more funny than others. It, it, it had enough to keep me going. Like if it wasn't funny, they had a scene with him and Jennifer Anson. I'm like, okay, I'm into this. So every scene this, I was like into it, but it was never like glowing review for me. This movie is basically a morphine drip for you where, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, you're like, I'm not bored. I'm not bored. Oh, that made me laugh. I'm not bored. Yeah. <laughs> it was just and- like slowly bringing you back. 
the people who really enjoy this, this sounds so conceited of me, the people who really enjoy this, but he does have a rabid fan base that, you know, they're allegiant to his movies, you know, because he gets to make one every year for Netflix now, which is the perfect place to have these movies. Yeah. Let's just say. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have to waste the the screens of the big screen. It should be on a small screen for 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 that. But maybe less of these movies would be made if they were being made for the big screen. What do you think about that? I don't know. And it's going to be a weird film culture when we come out of this pandemic, as we slowly are, is that there's going to be a lot more films that are going to be released online and not in theaters. And that makes me sad in one sense. But in the other sense, like... Let's keep the really good stuff for the movie theaters and everything else we can just put online. Because I I loved going to see, like, I, I saw Fifty First Dates in theaters. I loved yeah. going to see that in theaters. It was a good movie that was, I think, well-made and deserved to be seen in theaters. Yeah, and, you know, I was watching this movie and I was just hearing the imaginary laughs of, like, a big, big audience because this movie does want to play to a packed house. Like, it's more fun that way. But it was like when I was sitting in Grown Ups, I was in a packed house there. I didn't laugh once, but everyone in that theater was laughing. And I'm Whoa. like, I guess, I guess these guys are having a good time. I'm having a terrible time. So I, I think there is something to these movies that people really enjoy. And we're just kind of like, being the like snobby cinema people that we are, we can't totally like let loose and just enjoy something. Yeah, but like I love... This. Let's let's talk about Dumb and Dumber here, or or like Liar Liar, or mm-hmm. um, anything with Jim Carrey, where it feels like even if the movie is dumb and immature, and like Ace Ventura, you still have an actor trying really hard to make people laugh, right? Right. This movie, this movie felt like it. It's like if you laugh here, like I'm telling a joke, and I, I want you to laugh, but I don't want to work for it. Yeah, and I think the one really fair criticism, whether it's from high snob critics like us or anyone else, is that I don't think Adam Sandler is trying as hard as he is in these movies as he was in the '90s, where he was really working for your love. This, he's just so laid back in the cut. That he's the dad bod of movies right now. He real that's that's the perfect way to put it because he is trying like in every scene he's he's given an effort but I've seen him do way more for comedy's sake in like the wedding singer where it's like wedding singer his character is a lot more nuanced and a lot more realistic but mm-hmm. his timing and like his delivery he's really thought it through to make it really like land here and the script is smart yeah and here he's got a shtick. And it works, but I'm just I'm I'm watching these takes. I'm like, I know you you guys could have gotten a better take out of him on that one. And I think maybe it's his directors are not pushing him as much because it's Dennis Dugan directing this one, and Dennis Dugan directed one of his best films of all time, Big Daddy. And I don't know. It's just like I expect maybe it's Dennis Dugan's fault for not getting better takes from Adam Sandler. But for I, him, I, he's just kind of like I'm so famous now. We got it. We got it right, guys. We got it. I think it'd be really hard as, um, if you like, it's that thing where if you're not like a serious actor, um, well, not that he's not a serious actor, but if you're not in it to like really work with someone to make something happen and gosh, this sounds pretentious of me, but like, I imagine somebody as powerful as Adam Sandler 
would be really hard to direct because he's Adam Sandler. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants out of the scene. And if you're bringing him on to do a movie, you're not doing your movie unless you're doing something like Uncut Gems or Punch Drunk Love. You're doing an Adam Sandler movie. Like this is why we've been talking about him rather than any of the other characters this t- this whole time because it's centered around his shtick. And to his credit, he's like, why would I put in like a hundred percent effort if even if I put in sixty percent effort, I'm still going to make a hundred million dollars at the box office? Like yeah. I don't see the point of putting in that work. It's, you know, it's uh, it's going to make that money anyways. Um, working on set these past couple of weeks, like it's exhausting. So I get it. <laughs> he, but you're on you know, vacation. You're in Hawaii. You could at least put in the effort. I know. Just spend 10 days getting things <laughs> right. And then just stay in Hawaii for an extra 20 days. It's fine. <laughs> and so where they went um, and they did this scene where Brooklyn Decker takes off her clothes and goes swimming. Uh, she's also bathing suit on. But then Jennifer Aniston takes off hers and the two guys and her son are watching her <laughs> get in the um, get in the water. And I'm like, oh, I know this place. This is Oweo Gulch, um, like on the south end of Maui. And I was like, I'd really – this movie made me really want to do is go to Hawaii <laughs> because it's super beautiful. What, and that's part of the reason this movie got to exist is like all oh, those tax credits and all those advertising you know, tie-ins. Like there's a scene in a Pizza, pizza Hut, which looks like a Pizza Hut commercial. Like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there were so many ads in this movie. There was um, – like, like I think they were on a Pizza Hut set. I don't think they went into a Pizza Hut. I think they were filming the Pizza Hut commercial, and then they just made room for Adam Sandler to film the scenes, and then they filmed the other commercials. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, can all you extras, if you want to stay another five hours, just stay yeah. in your seats." You get to meet Adam Sandler. Stop looking at me, Swan. So let's take a break, and then we'll jump into trope talk. Ooh. And we're back. Starting with trope talk. It's like rope talk, but with less knots. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so this week's trope is the, I don't have a good name for it. It's the keeping up a ruse for as long as you can. It's li- trope. I think it's called lies upon lies. Yeah. Um, and the escalating lies. And the first lie that uh, happens in this movie is... Basically, I mean, there, I mean, there's so many lies, but it starts with Adam Sandler telling uh, this woman that he really does like her and he's just getting divorced from his wife and it's happening in a couple of days. And it compounds because the lies need to get more complex to the point where like they're on vacation together. And I like that this movie hangs a lampshade on it because they, when they're trying to plan this, Jennifer Aniston very smartly is like... Um, wait a second, this isn't going to work. Like if you guys get married or something, or you have a long-term relationship, I work for you. And <laughs> right. Adam Sandler's response to that is, oh, that doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Mainly because the plot couldn't worry about it. <laughs> but yep. but um, I think I, I felt like that scene was filmed later when they were like, oh shoot, why wouldn't anybody talk about how dumb that is? <laughs> Yeah, there's another part where the kid he has to like realize he realized at some point he's got to kill the kids off. Yeah, <laughs> and be like, I don't know, I'm killing you in like a car accident or a train accident. I don't know, just go to bed. Which is fine because he's a plastic surgeon. He's not necessarily a Machiavellian 
manipulator. He can manipulate somebody for a night. That's the extent of his prowess. But but this extended lie, he has not practiced at. Yeah, and it's and it kind of goes. We we're watching it and it's like, well, we always know that the liar always gets caught. So we're just going to see how long the lie can go, and then we're going to wait until the third act hits. Okay, the third act hits, and now the lie is found out. Did that even happen in this movie? Um, he didn't. We don't know that he confessed to uh, Brooklyn Decker. Yeah, it wasn't important, and I actually kind of like that because the confrontation scenes of like look, we've actually been lying to you, blah, 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 blah. And then the you know the victim is like, is that true, other character? Another character is just like, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Okay. So, you know, I could have used that scene, but I could have also used Brooklyn Decker falling in love with, um, jer- like, I'm sorry, what is that actor's name? Nick? Nick Swartzen. Nick Swartzen. Um, so Sarah and, was watching the movie with while I had my headphones on, and she's like, "Brooklyn Decker's going to end up with that guy, right?" And I'm like, "Well, he's kind of a gross asshole, so I don't think so." <laughs> but <laughs> but maybe. But I would have loved it if he like got I don't know if he's like I'm going to get into animal husbandry, and because uh, he at one point in time, if you didn't watch this movie, that's okay. But he saves a sheep by giving it a Heimlich maneuver. Right. Um, <laughs> this movie, um, but. If he would have fallen, if they would have fallen in love to, and then he was like, Adam Sandler's like, you know, you got to keep up this German thing. And he's like, it's worth it. I'm going to be this guy for the rest of my life. That would be funny. And that would actually fit within the genre of the Adam right? Sandler genre. That's where I, I was would, expecting I this to that. go. <laughs> sure. I'd buy that. Uh, other movies that do this, like got to keep up the lie thing is while you were sleeping, which does have the like, yes. I'm sorry, I've been lying to you the whole time. But isn't and, that a great scene? It is a great scene, but uh, are there any others that we should probably? Ten things bring I hate up? about you. Oh sure, sure. That it's it's a common like high school trope where yeah. it's like whenever there's a bet. bet. Am I yeah. a bet? Am I a fucking bet? Ryan uh, is turning around and looking at his movies. The proposal. There's yeah, it's a ruse. Mm-hmm. Another ruse is is meet the fuckers a ruse. Yeah, it was a ruse to get ten bucks out of me. Oh hey, no, I think it's just oh yeah. Remember he's. He, he can't, he's not a nurse the whole time or something. He's like, oh no, no, that's just him talking about milking cats. Never mind. That's just that's the him first lying. One. Yeah. But what's essential for this? Like what, what, th- this trope is here because we have a character who is insecure about X needing to compensate for that insecurity by lying. And it ends up being that the, like psychologically what this character is going after isn't as important as, as like it's like, because if Brooklyn Decker was that important to actually keep lying for, then she's obviously not that important to him. Right. 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 And and that's the essential lesson of this is he's like, okay, if I can't be myself around this person, then I'd rather be with someone who I can be myself with, who ends up being Jennifer Aniston. And I like that as a lesson to a rom-com. I think that's essentially what we try to get after is this vulnerability, right? Where we look for it in every movie and there it is, is he's like, I can tell you anything. And when he's telling her that, it's actually such a sweet moment for this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also in Muriel's Wedding too, uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Tim Sims. Tim Sims. and for her, it's, you know, for Muriel, it's status of saying, like, you know, I get to be, I think that's probably the best example because it's the most psychologically depth 
where she's saying, I get to be her, the woman who has Tim Sims that is going to be married. For anybody who, because, yeah, who didn't see the movie. Uh, he's a fake husband. Yeah. And they ask her, Muriel, why would you do that? And she says, because who would want to marry Muriel? And it's like, oh, that felt so piercingly true. Like I felt that where I felt so dejected that I I could totally understand creating this world that you are accepted in. Right. But let's talk about what Adam Sandler's doing, because he I think he they don't really get into it, which I thought they really would. Um, And they kind of mention it, but he is psychologically damaged from being so, I don't know, thought of as almost used by his uh, potential future wife at the beginning of this movie where she's like, oh, well, you know, he's doesn't excite me very much, but you know, he's going to be a doctor, so he'll be rich and he's very kind. So that'll be nice. And so I'll marry him. And that hurt him so bad that he needs to prove his his status by banging women who are hot. I don't think he has that Barney Stinson aspect to him. I think he just is a male and wants to connect to females and no, I mean, otherwise they wouldn't set up this movie, how they set it up. I think he's only, I think he's afraid of intimacy on a very basic level. He's afraid of getting hurt. He says that at one point in time. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't think there's, the movie doesn't really give us other elements to it because he, and he wasn't even like surprised at having an intimacy with Jennifer Anderson characters where he's like, you know, I've been putting off women and having relationships with, with them for so long. I didn't realize I had such a deep relationship with you. I don't think he articulates that. I don't think he like gets that. No, I don't think he does. And a smarter movie would have capitalized on that. But this is an Adam Sandler movie. (laughs) And so it gives us just this basic insecurity and kind of works on it, but not really. (laughs) And I'm okay with it because I wasn't even expecting the backstory at all. I was just (laughs) expecting he's just some plastic surgeon. I mean, his whole identity is basically wrapped around that hurt because that's why he becomes a plastic surgeon is because like he gets plastic surgery on his nose, right? Right. And the whole reason he changes him the way his, he looks is because, you know, of something his p- potential wife once said. Like, it all fits. It's all there. It's just not very articulated. Yeah. And I think for us, for the more cinematic, you know, moments, we like it better in While You Were Sleeping and Muriel's Wedding especially. And even the proposal is fun. But, but the proposal kind of gets in the same territory where it's like this ruse that you're keeping up is really just to keep the plot moving. It doesn't really get at much like narrative or character development. It just kind of gets at like the stakes in the proposal is like, don't kill Betty White (laughs) because if she finds out, then Betty White will have a heart attack. But there's also stuff with, um, with the dad, like he and his dad have like really, like weird relationship that gets changed by Sandra Bullock's appearance in the movie. Right. But the, the ruse, the lie that they're trying to keep up doesn't really have any like psychological underpinnings to it. No, it doesn't, which is okay. I'm okay with that. That, that to me is an almost an even lighter film in a, in a better way, just because of its sweeter qualities. I think Mm -hmm. like you don't need to be that emotionally I mean, not that you need to in this movie either. Again, it's just weird watching an Adam Sandler movie 
try to have depth. <laughs> I, I was going to keep going, Full but stop. it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, th- I think whether it's character driven, like in Muriel's wedding or plot driven, like in the proposal, I'm okay with the plot, but it is one of the, I'm, Again, I'm glad that they didn't do that confrontation scene in this movie because it's like we already know how that scene will go. We we've seen it a thousand times because mm-hmm. it happens in a billion sitcoms too. Sure, we don't need it. Audiences are smart enough; they don't need that the finale to that. I that here's the thing: moment. I I need it a lot of times as an audience member who's invested in these characters because I want to see these characters hurting, or I want to see these characters um, like overcome a hurt and find like a a place together. It wasn't the movie for that, but I think like skipping over moments like that and just being like, Oh yeah, I I dumped her on a volcano and she's taking care of the kids now. (laughs) No, but my, my reasoning is because it's plot driven. It's not emotional driven. It's not character driven. If it's character driven, I, I agree completely. It has to happen. You have to have that scene where they do the, I've been lying to you shtick, but in this movie, it's really just plot driven. So Sure, but we, but at the end, the it's plot. all about character in a weird way, isn't it? Like not, the whole movie basically hasn't been until they get together. Yeah, yeah, they they get their happy ending. But again, like from the poster, you knew that conclusion was coming anyways. So it, it felt very inevitable in yeah. the last ten minutes. I am know. inevitable. I am inevitable. Uh, can I tell you something that happened to me last night? Go ahead. Um, Twelve Hail Marys. Um, <laughs> Are you blessing me for whatever reason? Yeah, I, I thought you were about to go into a confession. I just wanted to bless you. Oh, I, I, I did nothing wrong. Oh, okay. I, I perpetrated no crimes, but a crime was committed against us. Um, last night we were hanging out. We were watching a movie uh, in our living room, and I heard this car drive by. It was actually it, w- it w- didn't sound like a car because it was like on. It sounded like it was on rails, but I heard this like choo-choo, and then this brick came through my window, like in um, Remember the Titans. Mm. And there was there was a Probably letter. Probably not racially motivated, though. No, no, no. <laughs> I hope not. Um, I, who knows? Uh, but there was this letter rubber banded to this brick that was thrown through my window, and it's it just simply said from the train man. Oh, he visited and threw a brick through. Hey, I mean, that was kind of now that I'm thinking about it, throwing a brick through your window is kind of inconsiderate. (laughs) It it really was. But um, it was it said with love from the train man. And it was an essay by your wife. Oh, okay. So uh, psychologically, the train man is definitely um, he's got some issues to work out because with love yet with destruction of property with brick yeah, i mean i bri- think we need to remind him that's not a a nice way of <laughs> delivering mail i think it should have been signed with brick <laughs> i mean to to his credit if he just threw the letter out from a train from a moving train and you just threw a letter just the paper letter i don't think it would have landed yeah and so i think he was just making sure that i got it yeah i think i think it was a delivery method that was necessary maybe he didn't want to break your window but he's like mm, I, it's the only way gotta get it there so it's it's your it's your wife's Patreon essay because you're you're working hard in Hotlanta and she she took up the call and did an essay for our Patreon and she wrote about love letters and it's a two part essay so we, I guess maybe next week we'll, we'll get the second part yeah I'm going to I think uh, next week uh, probably today as soon as this episode drops uh, so will that next essay my wife is very smart and she 
um, loves rom-coms. Um, Ryan and I have had to get her to watch, um, period pieces. That's, that's one thing that we're still pushing onto her, but she has been very susceptible to it. And, um, yeah, I just think she's brilliant. And I, uh, I really think that you would like it listener. If you came and checked it out, my wife, Robin Veda, who, you know what, let's just drop it right now in this, um, trash fire of a movie episode. Um, there's some good news on the horizon. And can I tell you what that is? Tell me the news that I have nothing, uh, awareness of my wife, not only my wife, um, not only writes brilliant essays about love letters and their places in rom-coms and romances, but she's also really good at making a baby. Oh, because she's pregnant. Yeah. So yeah, that's my wife's pregnant. We've been keeping it from you for a long time because we just wanted to wait to announce it. But yeah, she's pregnant and she's having a baby. She went to the um, to her ultrasound today, and um, it's like her second or third ultrasound. And I'm away in Atlanta, but I did get to see all the pictures of tiny baby fingers and tiny baby toes, and it was so awesome. Uh, it was so when cool. did she do? What did she do? What did Robin do? No, when is she due? Oh. I know what she did. Oh, she, <laughs> she's she's due in October, uh, beginning of October. Very exciting. It's a truth that I've known for so long, <laughs> and I've been accidentally dropping hints about it, and I'm try- I had been trying to cover my tracks of like, you know, when we have kids, I mean, I have kids, and maybe you'll have kids someday, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I know. I keep, like, even when we were guesting on other podcasts, um, somebody bring up, like, something, and I want to say... Oh, and my wife is a really, she loves films as well. And I'm like, why did I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> why did I bring that up? Uh, it's very exciting. You derailed everything I was thinking about because now I'm thinking about us having kids together and I can't wait. You and me? Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm not, not together. Like I have kids with my person and you have kids with your person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There our kids are going to be best friends though. They are going to be best friends. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Uh, your wife wrote on the Patreon. She wrote about love letters. She was doing a compare contrast of You've Got Mail to The Lake House. Right. What makes a good love letter movie? And she makes some very compelling points that you'll have to read about on our Patreon. I won't tell you which one she thinks is better, but you could probably guess. <laughs> you could probably guess. Uh, over the Patreon, you can vote in polls to pick our next movie. You can listen to bonus episodes. We just did one on Solo, A Star Wars Story, which is the best Disney Star Wars film there is. And we do an essay every week. We've got a catalog of like 10, maybe 11 of them so far. It will get deep. Um, you can gross. check that out at rom-com, or patreon.com backslash romcom gents. Uh, come sign up today. Be part of the fam. And if you sign up and give us some money, you'll be paying for food for children. <laughs> yeah. Now food for two children. You're helping us take care of our families, and isn't that the only thing you should be doing, anyways? Is yeah. helping other people feed their babies. Yeah, I mean, this is this is we all we're <clears throat> to quote a musical that I think we all know and love. We're all in this together. I've yeah. got kids. You've got kids. Let us feed them kids. together. Hey, Ryan, I'm gonna have kids. Okay, I gotta really decide what what movies I have time for coming up soon <laughs> yeah you're gonna realize that life is so much shorter 
than you ever thought it was after you have kids. Because there is this kind of biological clock that you're like, before kids, you do kind of have this like, life is relative, time is relative, you know, maybe I'll live to 90, maybe I'll live to 100. But once you have that kid, you're like, I'm going to live till 40. It's just like, they, this is a thing that will outgrow me. No matter what, they will always be smaller and younger than me. And they will outgrow me. Hey, hey, audience, here's some existential dread for you. <laughs> Life is finite. <laughs> Shut up! Hey, I bet you'd love to give this movie a rom-com Oscar! I feel like the filmmakers are like... Be- da, 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 da. Nice. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. I feel like the movie was like, oh, come on, give it best boobs. You know it's got best boobs. Oh, my gosh. Multiple times it was like, hey, especially when she walks out of the water, they're like, <laughs> oh, the, the director's like, you know what we don't actually have in the script? Like, there isn't a boobs. page devoted to somebody walking out of the water with, like, really nice boobs. Maybe we could make that happen. With all due yeah. respect, there are really nice boobs in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you hire a supermodel, you get a supermodel. Okay. And- Okay, you know, and that's that's true. So, as uh, yours is best boobs, then okay, we can move on. Uh, Ryan voted this I don't one best, give boobs. It best boobs. No, Ryan did best boobs. Um, no, I'm not giving it best boobs. <laughs> okay, I'm giving it best boobs. I'm ironically, maybe not so ironically, but in an Adam Sandler movie, would I ever guess that I'm giving it best chemistry? Whoa, you think out of the entire year of all the movies we watched before and all the movies that we'll watch after, this one has best chemistry? Let me look at the past 10 weeks. Yep, 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 yep. I'm sticking to it. Best okay. chemistry. Best chemistry it is. One of our one of our biggest awards. I um, mean, the only thing that rivals it would be Groundhog Day with Bill Murray and Andy McDowell at the end of the movie they really yeah, are getting but some good chemistry. For the but most part they do not have good chemistry. Exactly. So yeah. this movie throughout, you know, top to bottom. As characters, as characters. I would say the actors have very good chemistry, but um, the uh, that's nice. I like that. Good chemistry. A good high school chemistry class. Um, huh, I'm trying to think. Um, my anti-Oscar for this movie is the, like, there's a hula contest between Nicole Kidman, uh, Jennifer Aniston, and, like, two old women and a woman who is larger in stature than those two women who are basically supermodels. Yeah. And, um, this movie does, uh, a bit of like shaming of those other three characters that I didn't appreciate. Um, so that's my, that's my anti Oscar, but we're not here for that. We're here for Oscar Oscars. Um, do I give it most beautiful locale? That's not necessarily for the movie though. That's more for Hawaii. And I think the mm-hmm. world already gave that until the Eagles said, call someplace paradise, kiss it goodbye. Um, God, let's see. Let's see. Uh, fuck. Best accent. Oh, you with the little girl. Well, yeah. actually I'm giving it, it's, it's, I'm going to give it best accents because oh, I German. was thinking the little girl, but I also really did enjoy that dumb German accent. Um, yeah. and the glasses, I thought the glasses were the perfect touch. Like, like I, I just imagined the director looking at Nick and he's, he's looking at him and he's like, do the voice again. He's like, Oh yeah, I love sheep. 
And then the, he's like, yeah, okay. It's almost there. And then the costume director is just like, wait, I have these silly glasses, puts them on and they're like, perfect. Boom. So yes, best accents. Uh, I, I think we should also give an honorary award to Nicole Kidman, which come on guys, just Nicole Kidman does great in this movie. So you know what we've been doing a lot in, in our podcast is we'll talk about like the movie and where it comes from and like the the main man who like is in charge of the movie what was the movie we did that with recently um it was what was last week's movie kissing down with love <laughs> the kissing down with love down uh, with love okay no it was a different movie but anyway maybe we can cut this part but um we just basically talked about what adam sandler movies are <laughs> this whole time right. but we d- really didn't talk about like jennifer aniston and like where she's been and why she's you know, like in movies like this now. And how did Nicole Kidman get wrapped up in this movie? How did Dave Matthews get wrapped up in this movie? Were there parts written in because they were vacationing in Hawaii at the time? (laughs) I mean, I think that's what's, I think Adam Sandler is very enticing as a producer where he can get people like Drew Barrymore to come back again and again to make movies with him and Jennifer Aniston to come back again and again to make movies now, with him because I th- their third one together, uh, him and Jennifer Aniston. I think they only made two, but he made Along three with Polly, Drew Barrymore, right? That was oh, ben it's Ben Stiller. Stiller. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's an enticing producer cause he's just kind of like, Hey, come on, we'll have a good time. And the actors probably are aware of the, lazy vacation Adam Sandler movies that these are, but they are on board with it. Maybe because it's an easy paycheck, but Jennifer Aniston puts, delivers a really good performance. She does a really good job. And there's something with what he's offering them of like, I've got a good part for you. Like it's going to be a fun time and you've got something to work with and people are going to respect you for it. And I think Nicole Kidman like reminds us why she's an Oscar winner. Yeah, I think she really does. Like, um, did you get little bits of Moulin Rouge vibe for when she was up on stage? Yes, we heard that like Xenia Warrior Princess call that she does. Uh And I'm just like, damn, Nicole Kidman, you'll always have my respect. Even with you in this dumb Adam Sandler movie, I so respect you for what you're doing here. I think she is such a character that comes out of left field and might be one of the more realistic characters. Like even the weird stuff that they do where they're like, uh, where her and Dave Matthews are like kissing each other, you know, just like really awkwardly next to the table and telling each other like what they love about each other. It, it works because her, I mean, she pulls it off, but oddly Dave Matthews is a good actor. Yeah. He, he pulls it off, but it, you still have that shock and awe moment of like Dave Matthews. And that's all you need. That's all you need psychologically of like, I'm looking at Dave Matthews do the scene with Nicole Kidman. And that's, that's half the work that they're putting into these productions. Maybe Keith like, was she dating Keith or married to Keith Urban at this point in time, and maybe Keith, Keith Urban knew Dave Matthews and was like, "Hey, Dave, can you be in a movie with Adam Sandler?" I, I over think here? Dave Matthews hung has hung out on other Adam Sandler movies. Um, <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's what Adam Sandler does. Is like, "Hey, Dave Matthews, come hang out with us." Yeah, he's got a part in "You Don't Mess with the Zohan." Uh, he has been in some other dramas. He was in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. He was in Because of Winn-Dixie, so I don't know. There you go. Whoa. Because that, okay. <laughs> Another left field. Um, but I, I, I think there is something to respect in that 
producer aspect of what the Happy Madison films do of like, like there is an art form to casting and figuring out not only saying, you know, who'd be great for this Nicole Kidman, but actually managing to get Nicole Kidman and convincing her to do it. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, but I'm glad. Like, I think there's a lesson to be learned from this movie structure wise. Um, and that is to have a surprise in a film. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it not, maybe not only just uh, like a t- twist in a plot. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about because we all knew that that woman was going to show up in the movie when they started talking about her so much at the beginning of it. That's not the surprise. The surprise is in the casting. Nicole Kidman is this person where you're talking up a, a villain the whole time and somebody that could intimidate Jennifer Aniston who you know, is not necessarily one of the most intimidating actresses in Hollywood. Like her character as Rachel is, is just somebody who gets intimidated very easily. And so that's how, you know, half of America sees her, but Mm -hmm. for it to be Nicole Kidman means that, Oh no, this person that we're supposed to be scared of, I could see that. I could see being scared of Nicole Kidman. And so that transference is there and it's a really good surprise. I think it's brilliant casting. Yeah. And you know, I haven't seen it, but he got Al Pacino for Jack and Jill. Like he's just good at getting these extraordinary actors to come hang out. What so. if secretly Adam Sandler has a has dirt on a whole bunch of actors in Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> and he could just be like, you know, I know about that thing with that guy. So hey, so Greg, come on, Mr. Kinnear. Yeah, no, I'm going to need you to come in next month. We're going to the Ozarks. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Damn. I never should have killed that guy that one time. <laughs> well, we we gave Oscars, but I want to know something a little bit more deep. About, more personal? Yeah. Can you tell me who would you fall in love with? Only because you asked so nicely. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. I mean, it's got to be Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Um, For me, this is an easy one. Because it wouldn't ever be Adam Sandler. Um, Even though you're right, he is sweet at times. He... (laughs) I don't actually like she at one point in time, she's like, and I love your sense of humor. And it felt more like she was talking to Adam Sandler, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think Adam Sandler's character is very funny in this movie. Even if he makes me laugh at what he does. I think Adam Sandler's funny. I don't think his character is funny though. Um, where, whereas Jennifer Aniston's like, you make me no, laugh. He he's, he's a goofball with her. We see uh, no, him goofing around. With I, her. I can see why she does. Right. I, I'm saying he wouldn't like this is about me falling in love with someone. <laughs> um, yeah. he, he wouldn't make me laugh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. The, <laughs> the um, you know, uh, Nicole Kidman's fun, but she's like a little scary, a little scary and competitive. Um, Jennifer Aniston like treats her kids. Well, she seems like a really nice mom. She puts up with a lot of crap and at one point in time, he's like, you'd do anything for anyone. And I think that's very true. So I'm, I'm definitely going to say Jennifer Aniston and she's super beautiful. So yeah. check, 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 check and check. I mean, that's what's 
you know, a lot of this, the scenes in this movie is a lot of like, okay, look at the supermodel, everyone, male gaze, bleh. okay. But then it's like, oh, but Jennifer Aniston was secretly really sexy and you never noticed. And that was part of like Adam Sandler's like, I don't know, character development, I guess, is that he starts to notice this woman because he sees her in a bikini, which is like, there's the ethics of Adam Sandler movies for you guys. But uh, Jennifer Aniston is just such a presence. Like, she's just so, I don't know, I agree with you. I'm saying I'm in love with her too. And it doesn't, I don't need a bikini scene for me to be like head over heels in love with her. She's Not just at lovely. All. Like, this movie um, needs to convince the other two gentlemen that Jennifer Aniston is beautiful by taking her clothes off. If you couldn't see that at first, guys, you don't deserve her. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I I do want to say close second to Adam Sandler. Um, It's kind of like more of a camaraderie love because when they did the scene and I thought, I thought this was sweet and it was totally, totally manipulative of a guy like me, but they did the scene of Adam Sandler teaching the boy how to swim Mm -hmm. and he does, he, he figures it out and it's, it's funny, but it is really sweet and really adorable and me with a son who is doing things every week and you know we're not in a position now where I can like help him work on overcoming an obstacle because he's you know he's kind of he's doing in between it without he's doing yeah. it without my help where he's like climbing onto things I'm like wow I I didn't realize a one-year-old could do that good job give me the scissors give me give me the scissors I didn't know you could reach that but it, I'm looking forward to when I can teach him how to ride a bike or how to swim or how to... Well, you're going to need to learn how to ride a bike first. Or how to get Kelly to learn t- to teach him to throw a spiral because dad can't or different things like that. Ryan, there's one thing that you can teach uh, Theo to be that I can't. And um, that's just to be a amazing son. Oh. Which actually, oh. no, he's pretty natural at. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty good. So I like I it totally won me over to see Adam Sandler getting this kid to ach- make this achievement happen. I so. liked that moment a lot too. I thought Good it was job, great movie. Yeah. And you don't see that in the 90s Adam Sandlers. And this is where it's that weird tipping point where the latter-day Adam Sandler movies have more of this sweetness to it with these moments, but and like Grown Ups does a lot of moments like this too. And I was like, oh, this is nice, but there's nothing else to this movie. Whereas this felt a little bit more motivated because yeah. we, we we need to see the romantic implications when Jennifer Aniston sees him being a good dad. So remember the part when he's he's taking photos to convince Brooklyn Decker that he has fun with the kids yeah. um, when they're all at the golf course? Because of course he has to golf in this movie because there's like references <laughs> to Billy Madison there's references to um, Big Daddy. Like he, he's literally <laughs> called Big Daddy once. The, the call time was 6 a.m. They they got this scene done and Adam Sandler was like, that's a wrap, right? Yep, Got to stay up here on the golf course, right? Going to go golf now. But I, I really thought that was a sweet thing where like he was he was making it all superficial about getting all of this stuff done. And then he starts having fun with the kids. Yeah. And and it was it was it was kind of fun. <laughs> One day over. Um, so that's that's my assessment. It, it's a cinema. I don't know. There's not much to it, but I had a good time. <laughs> that's that's my review. <laughs> uh, well, hey Ryan, I'm 
I'm glad that I got to talk with you about it because there's there's some movies that you enjoy more in the conversation. And mm-hmm. I, I like this movie. I've liked talking about this movie, I think, more than I liked watching it. But that doesn't mean I dis- didn't dislike watching it. I might have liked watching it in retrospect more because of talking to you about it. Yeah, it's kind of like when I go before the stupid pandemic and I go out to movies. I had more fun watching pretty good movies, but I had more fun listening to like review shows talk about those movies because they got to talk about other things alongside. I'm like, ah, you bring up the things that I wasn't actually articulating. Thank you. And that was more interesting than the movie itself. Sure. Uh, before we figure out our next movie, I've got some letters for you. Oh, strike up that theme. Hey, Fro. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You got mail. Okay, before before I bring up the letters, I'm on Instagram and I just want to say, hey guys, thanks for liking my picture of Brendan Fraser as George of the Jungle, one of the most popular pictures I've ever put up. So, oh my thanks, gosh, thanks guys for really getting into it. Maybe we should do George of the Jungle. Maybe we should. I think we can make that count, right? Maybe in the bonus feed. <laughs> So I got a message on Instagram from Christina Schmidt. Uh, You can find her on Instagram, IDK Christina underscore. She is a co-host of Movies That Raised Us. Also check out that show. Good show. Uh, Wonderful podcast. Uh, And she just listened to our podcast on The Kissing Booth. And in that episode, we referenced the movie and we're saying, wow, this movie is so kind of uh, immature about things. It feels like it's written by a 13-year-old. And she wrote in and basically said, you are correct, sir. It was written by a 15-year-old oh. on what? It was on this, uh, this like kind of live journal thing called Wattpad. I don't, I've never heard wait, of wait, Wattpad. The, the Have you original, heard of Wattpad? I haven't. No, no, no. But the, the original book or the screenplay? The story, I, I, I think it started out on Wattpad and then turned into a novel and got picked up by a major publisher like Penguin or Random House. Oh. And then, you know, movie all that stuff and she Christina brought it to my attention it's like yeah uh, it was written by a teenager and it had a major audience on Wattpad because it just has a very young obviously because I'm 32 and I haven't heard of this thing but apparently millions of users are on it she says uh, Christina writes to me as someone who spent a lot of time on Tumblr and Wattpad as a teen in 2011 this story is so indicative of the teenage writing style on the website at the time and hits every single trope you could find there and the reason the kissing the reason the kissing booth element and the convention of the friendship rules feels so disjointed and the movie can't decide what the central theme is because stories on Wattpad are uploaded in chapters each chapter usually averages out, averages out to a scene or two in a traditional screenplay, so significantly shorter than a book chapter, and usually a week at a time. Okay, well, I mean, very Dickens-esque then. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it, I guess it makes sense that it probably started as something really disjointed and was just kind of cobbled ideas and just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, think- but somebody still wrote the screenplay for this movie. I know, but I'm saying the source material, it makes so much more sense now that the source material literally was written by a teenager. And like those source elements, those broad strokes of bad boy motorcycle rider going to Harvard, written by a 15-year-old, okay, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. So uh, I actually have a letter as well this week. It's not a letter. It's just a suggestion that um, was written in. So that was by Joe Ricken. 
And she uh, suggested that we add the movie Me Before You to our our movie list. Um, it is a movie about um, young, quirky Louisa Liu, played by Amelia Clark, who we've already seen in this um, in this podcast. Um, moves from one job to the next to help her family make ends meet. Her cheerful attitude is put to the test when she becomes a caregiver for Will Trainer a wealthy young banker left paralyzed from an accident years earlier. Um, I mean, it sounds like a romance and so, uh, we're putting it on our list. So thank you, Joe. Yeah. And it co-stars Sam Claflin, who I think deserves a really good career because he is really, really excellent and he hasn't totally broken through yet, but he was in the hunger games movies. He was in my wife's favorite movies. Their finest. Oh man. I really love that movie. Your wife showed me that movie. Well, so, should we do should we do that movie next week? <laughs> no, no, we have oh, to okay, give it we'll up to the to we have to give it to the um the gods the of gods. romance. Yeah. Let's check out what the gods want us to watch. All right, give me a number between 1 and 167. Uh, let's just go with 15. Hell yeah. Hell to the yeah. We are doing something's got to give. Oh my gosh, another Nancy Myers? We're working our way through it, and it's my time to say, if you don't like this one, Kelly, then you'll never like a Nancy Myers film. Is this the best one? For me, for my money, if you can't get into something's got to give, then there's then and then then I would say, fine, you don't like Nancy Myers movies, but this is the one that I feel has the best oh, shot. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Bring me over to the dark side, my friend. I'm willing to be tempted. Like young Anakin always was by Darth Sidious. I'm making my way through that show. I'm oh. I'm I'm like six episodes in now. Oh hell yeah. Is it getting better? Yeah, every episode gets a little bit better. Good, good. I told yeah. you it would. I told yeah. you it would. Well, hey, if you uh if you want to check us out on Patreon, uh that's patreon.com backslash romcom gents. You can also find us on Facebook at romcom gents and Instagram romcom gents. Write Ryan, write Ryan a message. Ryan's the one with access to that because it's also connected to his personal account. So write him a message or write us a message. Just let us know how you felt about the words that we said on this show, the ones that came out of our mouths and, um, and we said from our hearts, if you're, if you're like, you know what? Uh, Kelly needs more sleep. Let me know. If you if you're like you know what <laughs> Kelly Kelly needs to check himself because Adam Sandler is kind of a god, then let me know. I think so too, just not right now. Uh, what and else if could you're, they? If you're Adam Sandler yourself, write us too. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I'm sorry that I you know bashed your movie. I always do. You ever feel this weird guilt, Ryan, where if you like call out something that you don't think is very good and. You're, you, I think it's because we're also artists. Where well, I'm nervous as a filmmaker because we will bash certain films, and I every time I'm always like, "Hey, specific actor or actress, I like you." Because someday, <laughs> I always want to leave that door open that we can work together. So I never want to be on record <laughs> bashing someone personally because it's like I don't want it to come off like that in general because that's mean and not helpful. But also because you know I want our work relationship to you know work out. Yeah, I I'm in the same boat. I uh, did I ever tell you about that time that I wrote a I wrote for our college newspaper and I I wrote about Core 150. Uh, no, it was Core 
what was it? Yeah, it was Core 150. And I wrote about Keith Beebe, one of our professors. Just I, I was just kind of writing about the class, but I kind of called out Core 150 and uh, might have critiqued it a little bit. And then um, I ended up applying to go to England uh, one semester with this teacher that I kind of criticized a little bit in this <laughs> article. And he brought me into his office and he's like, so Kelly, I uh, I saved this article that you wrote a long time ago. Oh, and uh, are you sure you want to come listen to me teach for a while? And I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I totally want to come to England with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think any of the criticism that we give know that um, we are both flawed artists. Not that anybody who has ever been on this podcast has ever listened to it, but know that we both know that we are flawed as well. And I would, amidst our criticism, I would love to make a movie with Adam Sandler. I mean, kidding? come on. Yeah. Okay. My friend, we've, we've got, we've got other stuff to do tonight. So let's say goodbye to our people. Um, how do we do that? You just say three words and then I'm yours. O Doyle rules. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Nice talking to you, Billy. Hello. Sabadoo.